Hello and welcome to the Veer Vulnerabilis Veer podcast. I'm Adam Glinsky. And I'm Albert Imperato. Where we help men communicate and build empathy. So Albert, we've actually had quite a few episodes. We've breached uh, the 10 points, so we're into double digits now. And oh boy, lucky 11. Yeah. Um, one thing that I've kind of noticed that's been a whole lot of fun is the fact that we are bringing a lot of people from different communities and different walks of life together through our podcast. And it's sort of been playing off where you introduce me to someone, I introduce you to someone, and we're all kind of uh, growing together. So tell me a little about what, what you think and what you see um, as our community grows a little bit. Yeah, no, I think that's a really great point. I mean, you it's a kind of the unintended consequences aspect of being open. Um, the more open you are to talking to people, the more you set in motion things that you didn't anticipate. So you introduce two people and then you find out three weeks later that they uh, struck up a friendship um, and they've talked about their own experience. And um, it's, it's been very, very rewarding to particularly to mix things that seem so different. Um, you know, for example, hearing from people in even in far, uh, you know, far away places, you'll get a note from someone in Sweden or someone from, the UK, I assume, because they're in the denim that they know you and they're like, oh, I don't know Adam at all. And I'm like, wow, really? Okay. Then it's, or the opposite, I'll talk to someone and they'll say, oh, I've known Adam forever. Um, it's just kind of fun making all the, the connections. And also, it, it's amazing how often they just say, oh, you're doing a podcast. <laughs> uh, it's not just through the podcast, but, um, you know, the, the people are really busy. It's fun. And, and I'm really grateful that people take the time to listen because I think taking the time to listen is, is, is something, is something that very generous that people offer you. Yeah. I am truly honored by our audience and, you know, our, our little tiny circle that we have and, you know, our, you know, it's building, but you know, it's, we're also building too, you know, it's like, we kind of have our little, um, you know, community that's reaching out to us. And I think it honestly makes us, you know, work a little bit harder and, you know, grow a little bit more is because we have a little bit riding on that. So do you ever feel like the podcast is pushing you? Yeah. I also want to just also say this, the fun of collaboration is very important for people to realize, um, you know, I, I am incredibly afraid of technology. (laughs) I completely freak out. I used to just like almost want to cry when I, when I had to buy a new computer, like the Mm -hmm. thought of having to make it all come up back up to speed. I would be just completely, you know, shocked at the idea that I had to do it. And now I get this box in the mail from you and it was a microphone and the the headphones I could figure out, you put them on your ears. (laughs) You got to just figure out right and left. Not so bad. The microphone, when I first opened that package and I saw all the wires, and all the settings and all the, the, the little wrench. And I was like, I, I really like Adam and I'm loving what we're doing, but I think I'm going to forget this mic thing. <laughs> so I had a total meltdown and I was like, but Adam is going to want me to speak through this mic and I am going to, I'm going to deal with this. I'm going to conquer my fear. So I have to admit, I, I gave myself an entire evening of the other night to, to get used to it so that I, that when you and I first used it, I would not be so, um, some, so crazy by it. And, and you were very patient because I did have a little, a little mini meltdown uh, earlier today. But now, now it's all good, dude. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so um, I hope you guys are all enjoying the audio. Um, you know, we got Albert a good mic. We got a little feedback from that. But um, 
you know, hey, people learn new things all the time. And, you know, it's okay to be afraid and it's okay to, to have some fears. And, you know, what I'm super happy about is that you can talk to me and just be like, hey, Adam, what do I do here? What's this button for? And how does this go into that part? And, you know, I, I'm here for you because, you know, you're my big bro, man. And I want to help you out as much as I can. Well, that's also part of the vulnerable thing, admitting to someone that you mm-hmm. uh, don't know something. I always tell people at our company, um, you know, the, the the employees, I just say, please don't sit at your desk spinning your wheels. Um, all you have to do is come in and ask. There's nothing, no question is too stupid or too small. Um, little, I mean, we're trying to help each other save time and keep focus on fun things. And we don't, we don't have to sit there trying to f- figure out every single little thing by ourselves. It's just not a very efficient way to live life. Definitely. Yeah. So, I mean, just in all aspects of life, I think the hardest part of getting help is asking for it. You know, there's sort of that innate thing in your, in your mind that's, you know, kind of like where art is just that little resistance, like, what will they think of me? Or, you know, how am I going to look in front of this person when, you know, a lot of people appreciate the the question and appreciate being able to to help you. So, I, I would invite people to think, hey, you know, instead of thinking um, about myself when it comes to asking for help, think about the other person and, and you know, really question like, hey, this person might want to help me out rather than have to, you know, critique a mistake or give me feedback, you know, further down the line. Yeah, no, that's a really, that's a really great point. Actually, I just saw Anthony's name pop pop up. Oh my God. Yeah. There we go. There it is. The dude. Hey, hey. Can you hear so us? So you're going to... You're going to do, are you, are we pausing and you're going to, or are you going to go right into your introduction and have him hear the introduction? Yeah. So, um, I'm going to edit this part out. Um, so, Hey, Anthony, you are muted right now. Let me unmute you so we can figure out where you're at. I'm also good. Yes. Now we can. Right there's on. A light, there's a light yeah. behind uh-huh. you, Anthony. See the light? Doesn't matter. We're not filming this, but yeah, <laughs> it's a dramatic effect. <laughs> right. We on. can ask you about the jacket after we're recording, right, Adam? Yeah. Because of course we're going to want to know whose jacket. Mm-hmm. So oh, what? it's Levi's. What is it? Is it Ironheart? Yeah, Ironheart. Mm-hmm. Nice. That's a goodie. Cool. All right. So, um, do, would you pronounce your name for us? Torak, okay. And then the uh, town, is it Yukaipa? Right on, sweet. Dictionary doing me good. Cool. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to um, introduce you to the podcast and then we'll get going, okay? Cool. Ah, oh, dude, you're fine. Don't worry about it. Cool. So I'm just going to mute everyone and then I'll bring you guys all on. All right, we see Anthony here now. So, welcome to the show. Um, we have Anthony Pellegrino Torak here. Anthony was born and raised in Crestline, California. He lived there till about 15 and a half and moved to Yucaipa, California, where he met his wife. Currently living in Riverside, California, he's been tattooing professionally for the last six years. He now works out of the classic tattoo in Upland. His major hobbies outside of work and family life are, of course, denim, boots, and clothing in general. He loves baseball, BMX, and bike riding of all kinds. Fitness and health are also a big part of his life. Being a husband and father 
are two of the greatest blessings that he could ever imagine. Anthony takes a lot of pride in being both. Let's welcome to the sh- welcome him to the show. It's nice having you here, Anthony. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. Dude, how is it in California? New York today, close to 70 degrees. Absurd. It was about like 38 when we left the house today. So Ooh. it's pretty cold out here today. Wow. wow. Yeah. It, got, it gets have turned. <laughs> yeah, it fluctuates out here. Like the morning's normally like 35 to 45 where we live. And then it gets up to like 70 or 80 during the day. It's weird. <laughs> so I was, I was poking around uh, just, you know, looking through your feed. And actually noticed uh, the link in your profile to your other feed, which is your tattoo feed. And yeah. I added that today. Actually, just now was the first time I saw that feed. That's a that's a pretty serious following you've got there, and and uh, some really uh, some amazing work. Thank you. Yeah, it's a it's a, always a work in progress. I think, <laughs> but it's a, it's up there. I'm satisfied with it. And and you so you've been doing that for six years. Yeah, in my six years, so I guess five solid. My six years started uh, in like August, I guess, of this last year. So currently in the sixth year. (laughs) That first moment where you actually take a pen to someone's actual skin, were Uh, you like completely freaking out? Like, oh my God, this is for real now? I mean, how do you prepare for that moment? Like a dentist giving the first (laughs) drill. Like, oh shit, this is real. (laughs) Everything that they uh, prep you for, like during your apprenticeship doesn't match the initial moment, especially because my uh, my mentor was pretty into torturing me. <laughs> so I had to tattoo my first tattoo, like on a very difficult part of the skin with like six guys in the shop watching me. So it was pretty nerve wracking. <laughs> and of course, you showed no indication of you, that you were in pain. Oh, like doing the tattoo or getting a tattoo? Receiving that tattoo. <laughs> Oh, my receiving my first tattoo, I was scared to death. <laughs> well, you have the, but, the privilege of talking to two guys who between them have a, tum, a sum total of zero tattoos, Adam. That is I. true. But, <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> um, if you don't, I, don't, I don't mind that. It, it, well, I'm telling you, I've been thinking about the kind of tattoo I want to get. And if I ever do get that you know, head of Beethoven, the bus of Beethoven, I will give yeah. you a call. Um, <laughs> yeah. I want to talk and begin with the idea of this, this idea of perceptions and first impressions. I remember, I mean, you and I connected, we like clothing um, and we, we had back and forth about, you know, some denim. I see you're wearing a really cool Ironheart denim uh, jacket as we're talking. (laughs) One of, one of Adam's um, passions to say the least. Um, The ultimate. Yeah. (laughs) I, I remember, you know, we had all our back and forth, but after Adam and I did a couple episodes of the podcast, I was having one of those moments of, oh, who the hell is going to listen to this? I was feeling, you know, whenever you do anything creative, um, you're going to question whether or not it matters or that you should even be doing it. And there was one afternoon I get this comment from you and you were just like, this is really good that you're doing this, dude. And I have to admit, I had an idea of who would be listening, but it wasn't like Mm. a, a... cool looking dude with lots of tattoos (laughs) that I thought was going to be giving such positive feedback. So I want to thank you that you gave that little slap in the back in a very, first of all, totally unexpected. Second of all, that it really made me realize how um, hemmed in we are by our own perceptions of who we're going to communicate well with. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, like the cool part about it, which I always find as like the main uh, reason people are on social media, not everybody, but it's just like a part that I don't like to attach myself to is it's so 
self-centered. I guess that sounds weird to say as I only post tattoos I do and I post clothing that I wear. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I feel like nobody takes the time to listen to somebody that's not like a like well-known podcast yet. That's just people talking because talking is an awkward situation for a lot of people anyways. So I uh, I backed it. It was cool. Well, we can't thank you enough. It's very cool. And it's it's changed. The other little perception thing too is, you know, on your profile, I, I reread your profile and saw Praise God was the first thing you listed on your on your yeah. profile, which of course immediately I thought, wow, I, I assume it's he's a Christian or he's a religious person. So it's it's I found that once again, oh, he's not only paying attention and he's, you know, being supportive here. But he's also my, my perception was challenged once again. You know, pray this praise God guy is also a tattoo guy. So once yeah. again, it was spinning my <laughs> spinning my perceptions a little bit. And I love that. I actually think that that was great that I got a chance to, to confront yeah. my own prejudices. Yeah, that's always a interesting feature of myself to people <laughs> for some reason. I think it's more like just seeing me. Like I always get told the uh, like the upfront, obviously not knowing the way I speak or like treat people, that starts to sell people on the fact that I might be like a nice person. But uh, yeah, I've had other people interested in like if I'm like a faith based person just because I like say it on my Instagram, which you can't believe from everybody anyways. But <laughs> but yeah, that's a, I try to be. So so as you're tattooing, you mentioned uh, you and I had a little pre talk, and you mentioned just the, the incredible variety of people that you talk to. I mean, people are coming in for tattoos or from very, very different backgrounds. Can you give us just a couple of colorful examples of people who came in for tattoos? I mean, I know my 83 year old aunt, when her husband died, got a tattoo with her husband's name on her at 83, which I thought was kind of unusual and amazing, but I'm just curious. Tell us a little bit of the stories of the people you've met. Uh, age is always a cool one. I tattooed, uh, a man's like deceased wife's name on his rib cage at like 85 wow. which was interesting and the rib is like the rib area torso area is pretty difficult to tattoo anyways even if it's on like a young person or an in-shape person or a not in shape person so uh yeah he was pretty cool dude <laughs> but uh yeah he got like his uh deceased wife's like name on his ribs in like some pretty cool font and uh, he took it very well. <laughs> that was cool. I've tattooed uh, like a 75-year-old lady that was from England. I tattooed like a like British flag and an American flag on one arm. Uh, that was pretty cool. I tattoo everything from family of like religious backgrounds to the anti-religious to people that are into satanic things, people that are hardcore Christians, people that don't know why i will spend 300 dollars on my denim item <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah it's all over the place i think uh, a cool one lately that i kind of like related with on the fact of like comforting the guy was uh he's like 20 probably 21 but he comes from like a forced like religious background where he ended up being in like a corrupt church that his family like it was hard for them to get out because they had got themselves involved in like uh the staff of the church and he was like kind of a like sexuality curious person i guess and he thought that like knowing i was a christian that i would just like be uninterested in continuing to tattoo him once he had told me that he had like like bisexual curiosity and uh we actually just got into like a pretty cool 
talk about like Christianity that kind of opened his eyes to like not uh, shunning out like churches just because of his upbringing, which was a kind of cool, like a deeper experience. But they go from everything like a homeless people that scrounge money and come in and ask for tattoos that if if the money's there and it's still going to be good for business, we can't push them out the door, you know? So uh, you get kind of all walks of life, never really the same people every day. So it's always cool. Well, the, going back to that that young person, uh, for, in that forced religion, um, I I just think that your reaction was really wonderful and amazing. I mean, it, that, you. that young, uh, vulnerable person needs more than anything else to realize that there's people out there that want, want the best for them and you're even yeah. willing to give them advice, help them. Um, I'm wondering, um, I'm wondering, did you, in your discussion of your, your faith, what did, did that continue? Did you, was it a one-time talk while he was there? Did it, was it something that became sort of a part of the fabric of, of your, uh, I mean, did you continue to have contact um, with him? Uh, yeah, yeah. I still, ta I just tattooed. He's actually like in a pretty serious relationship with like, he has a girlfriend now that he's been with for a little bit. I just tattooed his girlfriend on Friday night and, uh, I've tattooed him probably like six or seven times. And I think he like kind of opened up about it about the fourth time that I tattooed him. And he had got like a, like a silhouette, like crucifixion tattoo on his arm. And I kind of like, pondered the like idea to him or like asked him like if he's like religious and he said it's kind of like a family just like connected to his life in some way and then uh the next time i tattooed him he kind of like opened up more about it it was kind of like the shop was empty and he uh he just i felt like more comfortable talking to me about it as he knew i wasn't like judging him because i tattooed a crucifixion scene type thing on him without really asking him why just because i feel like you know people get religious i do religious tattoos on people that aren't religious all the time and it's just because it's transferred over since the early 1900s as just like strong tattoo imagery like a jesus head tattoo or a cross or praying hands or that type oh, you've of thing. actually had so, a jesus head um, requested by someone who wasn't particularly religious yeah yeah there's people that are like proclaimed like atheists or not interested in it at all that'll have a jesus head on one arm and a devil head on the other <laughs> It's, it's interesting. <laughs> wow. it, in your um, particular um, experience with Christianity, did, would, were you always just simply surrounded by people and, and attending churches that were tended to be more open and tolerant of difference, so to speak? Or did you sort of say, hey, that's how I feel. And I don't go to, you know, I don't, I don't toe the line with certain teachings that, that the church might have. I think like, uh, or like we had talked about before, I'm like a firm believer in like the openness of like agreeing to disagree. And I feel like, uh, like just because I have a belief that I follow does not mean I should just exclude somebody because they aren't on the same train as me. <laughs> so, uh, I think that that mindset, I've always been that way before I like knew like deeper into like Christian roots. I, uh, I wasn't really like raised in like a Christian household, but it was in my family. And then, um, at like 13 was when I became a Christian. And that was like, it was kind of like a whole move of my, my household just because of like a, like family tragedy type of deal, which was a cool, like to some people, it's like a good example of just like the way of like getting your family broke down enough to where you look for something more than just what this life has to offer. <laughs> oh, you had mentioned that your grand, your grandmother had been 
ill and then and then passed away and this was a, a major moment for the family my uh my dad's mom was like the christian uh leader of i guess the whole family she um i didn't really know my real grandfather my my dad's dad but my step grandfather he was raised in mississippi so he had strong like southern baptist roots and she married him when my dad was younger so it was in the house but my dad like never like really fell into it until he was older and then uh my grandma and grandpa as i consider him my my like grandfather but he was my step grandfather um i was around them a lot me and my sister so i just like saw it they had just like christian things in their house or just like always i always had that like uh thought in my mind from a young age of just like what else is there you know than just like a daily you know get up do your thing and at the time even like school i dreaded school so it was just like why is this all i have to do <laughs> like um so i was interested in it for a while and then uh she got sick she had cancer and she was um they lived in Mississippi after they lived out here in Southern California again, but he was from Mississippi. So they moved back and then she got sick and it just like her cancer escalated pretty quickly to where she was pretty much like in a coma at, like they were just going to let her like pass away at home. And she, on the day she passed away, the day of the night that she had passed away, she, uh, she hadn't spoke for like days or weeks, whatever it was. I was pretty young. So I, um, I was like 12 about to be 13 or whatever and um she had just like opened her eyes for the first time in how long and said she's she sees angels and she's tiptoeing up the stairway to heaven and I heard that and I was just like that's got to be real and uh I just fell into the interest from it at that point and I saw my dad who's this tough Harley riding biker looking dude just so broken down I was like there's more than just handling everything by yourself or being a tough guy. And, um, he had, my dad, uh, is an automotive machinist and he had done work for a guy that was like a strong Christian, a, a couple, and they knew like what the family was going through. And we had started attending the church they went to. And I was like interested in studying it young. So I had asked for them to like buy me a Bible and I just spent a good amount of time in that. Like, uh, so I've kind of like, that was when our family got into it, but the interest in like, uh, the studying and walk into it was just like my own uh, research. I wanted to look into it. Wow, that's an amazing story. Um, yeah, I, it's it's a really powerful force in our in our society. People's religious life. I mean, we talk about religious freedom, and we talk about the you know the identity. You know, people arguing on both sides of the coin of of the uh, kind of country we are, whether we're a Christian nation, and you hear all these terrible things of of people fighting each other over over religion and it's it's you know kind of a, a sad thing and you know i'm a catholic myself my brother tried to become a priest he, it didn't happen and even to today when i talk about being catholic about my own christian identity it's it's always a fault line in a certain way because uh some people the minute that you mention your religious uh, association um they have a reaction to it and and um, I would really just love the idea that we could, you know, I liked your attitude and what you've been talking about in terms of being open and being in, in inclusive. Um, I wish that were more of an attitude because we don't really want to, we, I don't want to dismiss 
people's faith, but I also don't want religion ever used as a, as a, as a weapon. You know, religion is something to bring us together. It's not a weapon. And, and we see a lot of evidence of it being a weapon. And I just think, I can't imagine that, you know, Jesus or the founder, you know, the, the, the figure at the heart of any religion wanted people at each other's throats. You know, I mean, what did, you know, Jesus said, don't judge, love thy neighbor. Hmm. How do you equate that with weaponizing uh, Christianity? Anyway, I don't want to get a soap on a soapbox by it, but I have to admit, I, I came into talking to you. Um, just, I was a little bit nervous about this issue, but already by, by everything that you have said, it's clear that you, you're a, a person who thinks for himself and uses this knowledge and this teaching in your, in your life and the way that you believe it should be used. Yeah. Like I, I'll open the door to like bring people into it. Cause I feel like that's partially my job too, but I'm not a salesman of what I believe or do, you know? So I, I don't. I tattoo or I have tattoos, but I love when people don't have tattoos because I don't think everybody should do the same thing as me, which it'd be great for people to believe like what I know as like the great part of being a Christian and like a follower of Jesus, but it's not for everybody or people have their own beliefs. And I don't think I uh, should judge that or exclude them out of my life just because they don't see eye to eye on that subject, which is a, a good thing. I think it's one of the main, uh, tools of like segregating the world right now is religious uh, slander. So <laughs> I, I think it's good to not put people down for what they believe in. Yeah, I uh, agree more. Yeah, I agree with that too. And one thing I kind of want to talk about is what you said, Albert, is whenever you mention your religion, you know, it sparks a reaction in some people. And being Jewish uh, myself, a lot of the times when I speak to other Jews or, you know, I speak to you know, people that aren't Jewish and I say, Hey, yeah, I'm, I'm Jewish. And then automatically it's like clockwork. It's like, you don't look Jewish. And I'm just like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. Um, I'm, I'm adopted. I was adopted into a Jewish family. I, I don't know my original ethnicity. I am, I'm an American and my family raised me Jewish. And I can imagine Anthony, you get that a lot of, you know, just, Hey, like I am this person. And then Really? You know, I, when I think yeah, of Christianity, yeah, shock. <laughs> I don't think of you. So how do you handle that um, yeah. situation when it comes up in your life? Uh, I think uh, as I've been more open to like talk about it or like put it out there publicly, I guess, or just like show it in my day-to-day -day life was once I matured more, which was, I was already getting heavily tattooed. So I feel like I had to uh, go through the two judgments at the same time. <laughs> so it helped out like kind of a two birds, one stone type of thing. I, uh, I already like people struggle. I'm a pretty open, like I'll talk to people in public and sometimes it weirds people out. Like I've had people want to like move away inside like a store. Cause I'm like trying to talk to them <laughs> and they just think I'm some like criminal, <laughs> but, uh, which I, I think that you don't, like, I don't see it in myself, obviously, because I know myself and people that know me, but I understand, like, the like the concern, you know? People are on their toes, especially nowadays, on anything, and tattooing gets, like, a bad rap, even as it's in the public eye. Sometimes it's positive, sometimes it's negative, but uh, I definitely got the weird reactions once I had, like, my neck and my hands and all those visible spots heavily tattooed, and then 
I'd see somebody in the store that had like, you know, they pull out a wallet or something that has like a Bible verse on it and I'll like comment on it and like say it's cool or like talk to them about like their faith and they'll be like, oh, like, how do you know about this stuff? And I'm like, oh, I'm a, I'm a Christian. And they're like, really? <laughs> like, what the heck? <laughs> but I get it all the time too. All uh, like the other day, I just like when I'm getting something small at the store, I'll like pay with like a 20 to use like the $5 I'm buying and give it to the people behind me, like toward their, their groceries or whatever. And, uh, I have like cashiers try to give me my money back all the time because they don't believe I'm actually doing it. So <laughs> I guess, yeah, the lady was like, are, are you serious? Are you sure? And she started handing me my 20 back and I was like, no, like put it toward their groceries. And she was just like in shock. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, so, like a funny thing for me because I'm, I don't know, something tells me that you are a very generous, joyous um, person by nature and that you found in, a, 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 in the Christian faith an appealing um, possibility in it. Um, I don't think that, I don't know, com- correct me if I'm totally wrong, but it doesn't <laughs> seem like you are some terrible person cranky, unfriendly, don't want to talk to strangers person. Then suddenly you saw the light and became this, Oh, I want to talk to everybody. Oh uh, no. So, yeah. I'm always, <laughs> I'm a, I'm a uh, outgoing talker. So I love it because yeah, I talk to strangers too. And a lot of people t- tell me, they're just like, why do you talk to strangers? And I just say, why not? I don't understand the orientation. Strangers are just people yeah. I haven't become friends with yet. You know, it's just like yeah. strangers. Relation. I've, yeah. Relation is like, I feel like one of our main, jobs like relationships as humans and and i think people just don't believe that now because they could just access everything from their phone and never see a human and be fine with that (laughs) but yeah i uh i've always been a talker is my main problem in school and i'll get friendly with anybody for the most part so (laughs) So can can you just explain as a person who's afraid of getting tattooed uh, explain the process where you were like, Oh my God, I kind of want tattoos all over the place. <laughs> uh, I kind of decided it young. Like I was saying, my dad's always been into like Harley's and stuff. He had a lot of, uh, just that old, old school, like salty biker buddies <laughs> that had, you know, the, the flames going up their arms and the spider web elbows and stuff like that. And I always thought it was so cool. And then, uh, I was have I've always heavily been into like action sports or just sports in general, especially in like uh, growing up playing like baseball. It wasn't seen as much, but like I was into basketball and stuff. And basketball's always had been like one of the heaviest tattooed ball sports. And uh, I just always thought it was cool. Like, and I'm a big believer in just like dedication and commitment. And I feel like that's one of the biggest uh, ways to show it in some ways. Whether you're just getting something for the art or if you're getting something for your family, it's it's a lifelong commitment unless you want to pay thousands of dollars and go through even more pain to remove it. <laughs> and you do some of your own tattoos? Like, could, could, do, could you do a tattoo on yourself and certain body parts or you always have someone else do it? I tattooed some of my thighs when I was learning just because like I was told to do that from my mentor. Cause you, even if you're practicing on, you know, like fruit, like fruit skin, like oranges and stuff like that, they'll have you do, or uh, like pig skin was a common old one there's like fake skin you can use or like fake like uh kind of rubbery like hands and arms now they make but they didn't have them when i was first starting but you never know like what you're doing until you feel the pain that you're applying at the same time so uh tattooing like your own legs was 
kind of like what my mentor said. So I did a couple, but it's very hard to like apply the right amount of pressure and effort while you're trying to focus and hurt yourself at the same time. So I just, I'm around great tattooers and professionals all the time. So I just have them do it. <laughs> so your, your immediate family, your, you had your parents and you have a, a siblings? Yeah, I have a, a older sister. Older sister. And then you have a, a wife uh, and a young son. And a, and a youngin. Yeah. <laughs> a youngin. He's 16, 16 months. I urge yeah, people to go to your Instagram feed and search for the shots of the baby with the balloons because they're adorable. The, the balloon baby. <laughs> I love the balloons. Every time, I, I mean, I've never liked a baby photo. I'm like deliberately not liking them because babies always get so many likes. And I'm sounding very grumpy now. And then I see that baby with the balloon. I'm like, oh, no, so cute. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the friendly people's uh, favorite posts and the usual people's least favorite posts is when I post <laughs> family stuff. But I don't stop doing it. I'm also a New Yorker who, who went to school in California. And I have a feeling about California as kind of a magical place. There's something about there's something in the air there. Maybe it's just people being outside in the sunshine brings out certain qualities. Do you think that that's kind of a Southern California thing? Do you think that that your being a Southern California is part of your of your vibe in a way? And you, maybe <laughs> I don't, I'm not like I don't think I'm like a typical uh, like Southern California. Uh, native i don't i don't like the beach i'm not a fan of the sun <laughs> so uh i i was raised in like uh crestline where i was raised is just a small little like out in the sticks mountain town so uh I, I was raised like in the snow in like an area that doesn't even resemble southern california so uh and then moving to ukaipa that's another small kind of like ranchy style town uh riverside was like the biggest the biggest move or closest to like mainstream Southern California that I've been. And I wouldn't go much, much bigger than this. <laughs> yeah. Can I, I got to say, say just a little, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Adam. Well, yeah, I lived in Los Angeles as well. And like you like, did not strike me as a, like a Southern California native, you know, like yeah, there's a pretty big difference there. <laughs> I always get um, clients tell, asking me where I'm from. And I, now I know why. So I'll like play with them a little bit. And I'll say like why, and uh, they'll normally say you have an accent, and everybody thinks I'm from the south. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't hear it, but people think I'm from the south, which is fun because I go tattoo in Tennessee once a year, and uh, I fit right in. There you go. <laughs> tell, tell us a little bit about baseball. It's a big that also been a big part of your life. I'm a big fan, Adam. I don't even know if you're a baseball fan. I am not. Um... I played uh, two seasons, both teams that I played on won like the championship and I just, I have no passion for it. I, I was a hockey player growing up. I love hockey. And that's pretty much I it. like hockey too. Mm -hmm. Hockey. I played hockey for the first time when I, I used to tattoo in Orange County and our whole shop played hockey. Oh, and nice. so I played, I played a lot of catcher and first base, like growing up in baseball, they were like two of my favorite, like kind of like more serious positions so mm -hmm. i i always wanted to try being a hockey goalie nice. so i got like gear and i and i we like kind of had a shop team and i did very well with my glove hand but not very well yeah. with my blocking arm are you a lefty <laughs> catcher but, in first base uh i'm right-handed okay. no uh, i switch hit for a little bit but yeah i'm a right-handed player and yeah i played first base that was where i uh, i started catching because my my grandfather that was from italy but moved to brooklyn he he actually tried out 
for the Brooklyn Dodgers. He was a catcher and uh, he made the cut, but they cut him because he had his glasses frames were too big and they couldn't fit in the mask. Oh, so they wouldn't let him play. They wouldn't let him play professionally because it was like a hazard. He was the Pellegrino, so, uh, right? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Pellegrino, Pellegrino Zuzio. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so my dad caught too. My dad caught and played a uh, first base as well. And then uh, I was most serious about catching. I was like, my dad was training me before I was like three years old to play baseball. And, uh, he always trained me to, to like be a catcher. Cause I was just like the family position. And then, um, he was a big Steve Garvey fan, the first baseman sure. for the Dodgers back in the day. And, uh, so my dad was into first base too. Catcher first base always kind of, well, I was the Yankees well. fan. I was from the Bronx. So of course we would watch, the, you know, the Dodgers and I'd be like, I hate the Dodgers, but you got to admit Steve Garvey's <laughs> kind of a cool dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so my, uh, my dad always loves telling the story to everybody about like once I had kind of success at a higher level in baseball that he, uh, I've been taking him out back and throwing, chucking wiffle balls at him, teaching him how to block since he was three years old. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, uh, I was like named into, I was the only player from my town to get put in Cooperstown for the little league hall of fame. And, uh, that I was like pretty much solo, it's like solely a first baseman at that time. Wow. And uh, that's a pretty serious accomplishment. Yeah. And then once I I moved like halfway through my freshman year to Ukaipa and then the sophomore year, they have a big program, like a couple dudes out of like the graduating class before me are in the MLB currently. And then um so going into my sophomore year when it came a little closer to baseball season, I met like a couple like a handful of the baseball team, the varsity baseball team at like lunch. And I just did not click with them. And I came home and I told my dad, like, I'm going to be like, I'm going to be done. Like, I just don't want to play with people that I'm not happy playing with. Cause I grew up from like three years old till I moved like both regular season and winter seasons and uh, playing with the same people pretty much. So I, I had fun doing it. Part of the fun for me was taking it so serious, but it just was like a whole different crowd of people. Like I came from not like a wealthy town or upbringing and it was just like stuck up kids wearing designer clothes and driving like fancy cars at 15, 16 years old. And I was just like, I don't think I'm going to get along with these people. And I told my dad and my family was crushed. Did, did, <laughs> you, was actually, big... did you actually take some not very pleasant behavior from them? Or was it more sort of your, your internal, just like, I just don't like this? I've always kind of let myself analyze the people I'm going to be around before I put myself in a situation to have a dispute with them. So I, uh, I just knew like coming into it for one, I was from somewhere that wasn't like, I wasn't going to get treated the same just because of like my upbringing compared to theirs, no matter the skill I had. And then, um, I was just like, I'd hate to get into this thing and then have some like really personal problems with the kids I'm playing with or like the coaching. So I, uh, I had played another like winter season with the league that I used to play with after that. And then, uh, when I decided it was probably a handful of days after I decided not to go out for the varsity team at the new high school, I got a letter from Orange Coast College that they wanted me to start practicing with them to possibly give me a scholarship. And I uh, I just didn't take it. Wow. So I kind of left it there at like a little bit after 16. And then uh, I started writing 
BMX all the time. <laughs> and that was when I, I, I was never able to really take up like the level of riding bikes that I wanted to. And at that time I was just like, Oh, I'm in a whole different area. I don't really have many friends. I'm not going to be happy on the baseball team. So I'm just gonna kind of like ride my bike and whatever. And that got me into riding like BMX heavily. What was the trouble you anticipated with the baseball players though? What, what it would have been confrontational in what way? Uh, more probably like a personal, uh, moral standard that I have that I probably shouldn't have, <laughs> but I'm happy I did. Cause I'm happy with where I'm at. But, uh, yeah, it was just like, I, I was so stuck in my ways just because for pretty much 16 years, I lived around and played baseball around the same type of situation, same type of crowd. And I felt like I just grew up like playing to play hard and they grew up like playing for like the amenities of getting somewhere with it which Ooh, wow. I, I i obviously wanted to play like professionally all my upbringing it was all i thought about but i just like that was the moment when i was like i either put myself in an uncomfortable situation and make it a job for myself or because either way i'm gonna try my hardest so if i'm not having fun it's just raw work at that moment that reminds me a little bit in my field when people decide that they love music too so much that they can't become a professional musician because they, they, there's all, it's like a minefield of things that they don't imagine wanting to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've, I've had a couple of friends in a couple different areas of like sports or music and stuff like that, that don't take possible million dollar opportunities just because they think that it takes away from like just the love they have for the craft and the time they can put into it. I just want to get it out there. I'll do anything for a million dollars. That's a joke. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, no, wow. That's amazing. I mean, it seems like you're never at a loss for things to do and activities. You seem like a bundle of positive energy. Uh, obviously part of that Thank is you. from your faith. What are some of the other things that make you such a positive, uh, such a, a positive person? I mean, my, my family is always a major one. I, I'm very happy with like my situation and I work hard for it every day. So, uh, I think the stereotypical thing that came true was like, once I had a kid, I feel like that the joy of just like taking care of him and providing for him is just like unmatched. <laughs> so it's a, it's a fun, like joyful experience. Anytime I like feel myself getting down or being like a little bummer, I'm like, oh, I have like nothing to complain about. I do what I love for a living and I'm 26 and about to be married for six years already. And I have a, a kid that's almost a year and a half and I have nothing to complain about. <laughs> that's a, that's a really good outlook. Um, one thing that, you know, comes to mind for me, my son is one year old as well. So, you know, just a little bit younger than yours is, you know, you said, um, back that your father would take you and, you know, play with you and spend all that quality time. What are you, you know, trying to do and, and what do you plan on doing with your, your kid that will kind of build that same fortification that you have now? He's, he's already kind of like a, he loves sports just cause they're always on. Like I always watch stuff. He's now like aware during like the football season has obviously been going. So one of his favorite words and subjects is football. Right. <laughs> and so he's, uh, I, I think like, I just don't want to like, like force him into doing anything as people say, but I feel like he's just naturally going to fall into being like a, like a sports head or just into the things that we're into just because we try to be very hands-on and influential. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, we already take him out and like throw the football with him and we got, uh, he got like a little tee and a bat for, uh, for Christmas and he puts the ball on there and hits it with one arm with one <laughs> yes. hand with a bat. And so, uh, 
yeah, he's he's very smart and he's fun. So I just look to hopefully just be as hands on as I can be with uh with my schedule. You know, that's an important thing. I try to like tattooing can be a very life consuming thing because you're sometimes there like at the shop tattooing for 12, 14 hour days, just as many appointments or walk-ins and stuff as you can do. So I try to I try to, you know, I spend the morning with him when my wife works and then I go in and I try to do a couple tattoos and then come home, make sure I try to, you know, have a good night with him if he's awake still or just get ready for a good hands-on morning with him. So um, as his interests grow, I, I like uh, if the, he's into the things I'm into, then that makes it easy to just have him doing the stuff that I like to do. But um kind of excited to see where he goes with that. How old will he have to be before he gets the tattoo? Is there like an age thing? Like, <laughs> he'll be he'll be eighteen. I won't do it before he can be eighteen. So the that's that's most the tattooed old. baby. You'll be old. <laughs> I had one little dream thing I wanted to end with in a, in a moment. But is there anything um, that you'd like to t- tell, knowing the audience that we're reaching and the people that we're reaching out to, and what the the podcast is all about 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 um, com- communicating and connecting? Is there any Anything you'd like to say that we haven't discussed already? Uh, I mean, I don't know. You guys have any segue that mystery, in there? That mystery you story you've never told anybody <laughs> or anything like that? Uh, not really. I would say that uh, I guess I can give you a fun fact that a lot of people might struggle from is uh, I feel like a lot of my outgoing positivity is a battle into itself behind the fact that I'm like extremely worst case scenario all the time so uh yeah i'm the type of person that gets like a cold and i think i'm gonna die <laughs> and <laughs> if i am on like vacation and i'm not working on the trip i'm on and i don't tattoo for a day i think i'm gonna go back to work and i'm gonna suck at what i do <laughs> i'm just like that i'm very hard on myself and i always think kind of the worst while trying to think uh, the best so that's always a thing that my mentality somewhat helps and i uh i gotta feed myself with positivity to make sure that i don't swallow myself alive in that type of opinion (laughs) but uh yeah i mean i don't i don't know if you guys got any questions that was really so if you just reveal that uh you know that worst case scenario thing i mean in italian families they're real big on this sort of fate i would always say mom it's so great you know it's so beautiful out you're are you having a good day she goes I'm so happy. I'm perfectly happy, but I'll, I'll probably get hit by a bus. And I'm like, just like, mom, what? where did you come up with that? My whole life, I always had my mom. Every time I cross the street, I put my hand in front of people I'm walking with to make sure they don't get hit by a bus. Yep. Um, no, I just, I, it's great. It's beautiful that you, that you said that, that you, you do push yourself because you, you're so smiling. You're so positive. It could give off the Thank impression you. like, oh, this somehow, I'm, I don't know how the hell this guy's getting it, but. Clearly, you work really hard at what you do. Yeah, my my uh, my friend Jeremy at, at the shop, he says I'm the luckiest fan alive, <laughs> and I'm always like, no, you don't, you don't know. I just happen to things fall into place the right way. <laughs> I I get blessed in the right way, but I I try to put in the work, and I have to battle to have my uh, my positivity. I try to do it. Besides your dad, are, are there other other mentors that you'd want to do a little shout out to? Anybody else that has played a particular? Oh, there's a lot. I mean, uh, growing up wise, I mean, my, just my family in general, obviously my, my grandfather, which the, the one that played baseball a lot, he was huge. He was always a fun to watch sports with as he got older to 
Like I'd lay on the floor watching a baseball game and hear him muttering a whole bunch of insults to the players under his breath. <laughs> and uh, I think he's just like one of those people that always kept me like going in my mind of like, oh, even when you're good and you've made it, you know, somebody's always going to think that you have more to offer. So uh, I used to go to Yankee. I used to go to Yankee games with my grandfather and when the Yankees lost. He would not talk to me the entire rest of the night. <laughs> it was just so gloomy. We would sit in the car leaving the stadium and he would be totally silent. I was like, this is really intense. But he, boy, is he fun to go to a game with. As if the team has so much to offer for the people watching. <laughs> exactly. Um, my, little, my little dream is, I, you know, I, I do think, you know, our, our podcast is about, about men getting more comfortable with the idea of communicating and, and becoming more empathetic and learning from each other. But I do think more macro scale about it and think, you know, America has really been become a very divided country. So I just want you, um, you know, just hope that uh, someone like you can use your experience with faith to help other Christians um, be more open to loving all um, and not judging and being promoting that spirit of love that's essentially the essence of Christianity and Lord knows it's the essence of so many religions. So that's my little dream that your, your positivity is going to light up a lot of the, the people in the, the other uh, Christians in your life and let them see, you know, for lack of a better phrase, how it's done, how it's really done. <laughs> I think, <laughs> I, I think I'm an understatement of how it's done, but <laughs> I'll <Yeah>. try. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, it's been a, a pleasure getting to know you, Anthony. And my big takeaways from this are, you know, you said hard work and you like to, to play hard um, in your baseball team. You really had that mindset of, you know, putting in the work and along with your positivity was like, you know, kind of keeping your tools sharp and, you know, reminding yourself on a daily basis that, hey, you know, I need to work at, you know, myself, I need to work at this positivity and I need to work at being generous and loving. So for me, I mean, that was just awesome hearing that coming from you. So thank you. Um, I really appreciate you coming on and doing this. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and wrap up this show. Well, this has been another episode of the Beer Vulnerabilis Beer Podcast. I'm Adam Glinsky. I'm Albert Imperato. And I'm Anthony Pellegrino Tora. <laughs> Thank you for listening. <laughs>